you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, Roger here. You know, I've really tried my best to find a balance in life, and it's been so challenging as I'm sure it is for you. This is, of course, one of the most challenging businesses that I've ever been in, and I don't need to tell you that. But during this pandemic, we've been really stretched to the limit, haven't we? Well, in this episode, I'm speaking with my fellow industry pro and friend, colleague, Jamie Oikel of RunningRestaurants.com. As you know, Jamie sometimes hosts this podcast. We get together from time to time to collaborate. But in this episode, I call it Operator to an Operator or From One Operator to Another. And I'm sharing my experiences getting back in this business after selling all my restaurants years ago and then just before the pandemic, buying another restaurant. It was a turnaround situation. You know, the place was a mess when we bought it, but we saw a huge huge potential for what it could be. And then the pandemic hits, and we've constantly pivoted, constantly shifted. Government restrictions, government bailout money, we've taken advantage of that. That's helped us a lot, you know, and then the rules change, and then they change again. I've called it street fighting because, again, you can't see around corners, but every day, you know, the corner seems to get bigger and the challenges seem to increase. So in this episode, I'm talking about everything that I've gone through in pivoting my restaurant in, you know, from an old cafe into more of a market, grab-and-go, bakery, takeout, liquor licenses, all those kinds of things. I think you'll learn a lot about staff challenges that we've had and getting staff back when the unemployment money that they were making was so big and, you know, what we did to encourage them to be great employees, build what I call the dream team. And then we get into the importance of, you know, the financial controls and the staff training and the development and all the different things that you have had to go through, the increased costs of packaging for now takeout supplies and sanitizers and operating supplies and supply and demand that's increased all that. There's so many key learnings here, so I'm hoping that you stay tuned and listen up. Rockstars, from one operator to another, before we begin today's episode, let me tell you about GoTab. GoTab is a way to offer your customers safety, convenience, personal service, and respect for their time schedule. Your customers are free to choose how and when they order, pay, and connect with your restaurant. GoTab has a QR-based contactless ordering and payment feature that lets guests open their own guest checks as well as split tabs and tips from their own device. I really like the leave at table pay and go feature that helps servers spend less time swiping cards and more time serving guests. It's all about the service. Flexible menus, Digital gift cards, curbside pickup and delivery, and other smart features create a personal connection with guests and leave the tech in the background. With GoTab, you can safely turn tables 30% faster while enjoying 20% higher check and tip averages. Best of all, you never lose the personal touch. I love that. GoTab helps you put hospitality first. With this podcast, they're offering free activation for curbside pickup and delivery. Just text ROCKSTARS to 213-474-3925. I'll also put this number in today's show notes. Now, on with the episode. Hey folks, Jamie Oikel here with RunningRestaurants.com. We have just an impromptu chat and I got Roger Bodwin from RestaurantRockstars.com online. And I just talked with Roger and we just wanted to touch in with you guys who are operators 
and see what the heck is not working and what is working right now. And, and the reason we just wanted to do this is in addition to being coach, consultant, speaker, uh, Roger is also an operator in the state of Maine dealing with all the same things you deal with. So Roger, I want you to put your operator hat on today and talk about the little challenges you're seeing as people are coming in. Uh, they're you know, wearing masks, not wearing masks. Staff has to quarantine, not quarantine. You got all these weird issues. So you're an operator. The sand is shifting every day. Give us some updates from your side. What do you think? Well, you know, for those of um, your audience that don't know my background, you know, I ran a 350-seat flagship restaurant for two decades. Had tremendous success with that restaurant. And then sold that property. And then uh, a little more than a year ago, pre-COVID, I bought a 65-seat breakfast and lunch place that had an existing clientele, um, has a really beautiful barn on the property that has potential to be a, a, a wood-fired pizza bar, sit-down venue. And that's primarily the reason why we bought this property, the future potential, not exactly what it was when we bought it. And so we operated this restaurant for several months and then COVID hit. And now I'm in the same position that most of you are with, like Jamie says, the sand is constantly shifting under your feet and our government restrictions did not allow, you know, indoor dining anymore. We were forced to close for almost two months uh, in March up until early May. And then, uh, you know, we applied for government bailout money, we received that money, and then we attempted to pivot and shift our operation to curbside pickup and delivery and takeout, and also shift a portion of our dining room space to a grab-and-go market with prepared foods and beer and wine to go and cocktails and all that kind of stuff, which has worked. And now the government restrictions were, you know, were sort of lifted to some extent. You could have, as long as you maintain the social distancing piece of, of six foot tables, you could have up to 50 people in your restaurant, including staff. And, you know, it was great during the summer because we had outdoor seating. We probably had 10 picnic tables outside. We could easily social distance. We own the property. There's a huge parking lot. We have a courtyard in front of that barn I told you about. And that was great. But now that the weather is changing and it's getting colder, we brought seats back into our restaurant about two weeks ago, and it was limited seating. Instead of 60-plus seats, we had 17 or 18 seats. And my goal was to op reopen up a classic breakfast counter that we have with the old-fashioned soda counter stools and all that. And that would be the next step, but that's challenging because unless you're a family, you can't seat people right next to each other. So, you know, if there's 10 stools at the counter, can you serve, you know, two disparate parties, you know, so we're dealing with all of that. And then now we're hearing that, you know, six foot social distancing is not necessarily protecting your customers, which is a challenge. And they're saying that this disease can be spread 12 feet away. But the biggest challenge, uh, to answer your question, James, is we brought in the seating, but we find that customers aren't following the rules. You're supposed to wear a mask whenever you get up from a table and you're not actually eating or drinking anything. And we have takeout customers that are at our counter behind the plexiglass wearing masks and they're buying beer and wine and prepared foods to go. And they're really balking and getting upset with all the customers sitting down that aren't following the rules. They get up to go to the bathroom, they're not wearing a mask. They're sitting at a table, you know, taking up space, waiting for their food to be prepared when it's literally for sit-down customers. When you get your food, you can sit down. And we're finding all sorts of challenges with that. And so 
just yesterday, I pulled all the seats out of the restaurant and yeah. we decided to pivot completely and go more market because we figure, okay, the real estate is more valuable selling merchandise and bringing in lots of market type goods as opposed to someone sitting at a table for an hour, you know, having a coffee and a muffin, taking up space, alienating all our other customers that really like the market concept and you know, in this business, we can't please all the people all the time, no matter how hard you try. And finding that balance for us has been super challenging. Uh, listen, man, uh, absolutely. I can imagine the the nightmare for the, for the staff and then the frustrated customers and then who wants to enforce the rules and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. It gets uncomfortable for everybody. But I, I first, I want to talk about the cold weather first, yeah. because mm-hmm. uh, I know this is uh, the, the case for a lot of operators across the country. Summer has been good and outside dining is fine. Weather is fine, but it's changing. Roger again is in Maine. Foliage, it's happening. Like it's coming. And so um, I've seen uh, online other restaurants starting to develop ideas and whether it's a weather bubble or, you know, fire pits and the heaters, probably mm-hmm. a good time to be in the outdoor heat, uh, uh, heat lamp business. But yeah, um, it, great, it, at, great. Some, at some point in Maine, you know, you're not going to want to sit outside when, mm-hmm. in, the, in the snow eating your food. So talk about the challenge. What are some things you're going to try to do to get through the shoulder season? Other tips you've seen folks in other, other, op, uh, in other markets do? to get through this little time? Yeah, what I'm seeing is, and certainly, well, let me start with what we've done. Okay, yes, the summer season and the early fall season has been beautiful in Maine. We brought in fire pits and those stand-up heaters probably three weeks ago, and we're just starting to use them now on the colder, foggier days in the morning, and it creates ambiance and it's beautiful visibility from the road, which has brought in new customers, and they tell us, hey, we've never tried this place before, and boy, you've really added to your visibility and your ambiance, because I got to be perfectly honest with you, this business has required a tremendous investment, but curb appeal was not its strong point when we bought it, and we've been gradually you know, increasing that curb appeal and spending on, you know, decorations and new signage and, you know, paint and polish and all those things. We put in a fence in front of that barn, a beautiful vintage sort of a old rustic weathered fence that borders the property next door clearly. And we put Italian rope lights hanging from that, the fire pits, the stand-up heaters, all that looks really great from the road now. But again, um, we're thinking about maybe a tent because there are days that, you know, the heat doesn't necessarily disperse sideways as much as it should, even though we bought, you know, some pretty big BTU heaters. So now my partner, uh, my wife, who's actually, you know, GMing the place is thinking we need a, a tent that goes over all this to maintain the heat and on any of those rainy, drizzly days. But my thought is, since this courtyard is in front of that whole barn, which we're ultimately going to turn into a, a dining venue next summer, even though it's an uninsulated space, it's still a wide open, really appealing barn right in front of the t- outdoor tables. And you slide these big barn doors open. I'm thinking we can move some tables inside that barn for at least the early part of the winter and 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 have portable heaters in there and, and make sure it's safe, of course. But I think that beats a tent. Uh, you know, it's more of a permanent roof over your head versus the wind issues that come with tents and all those other things. So you try something, you experiment, you pivot, some things work, some things don't, but you always have to be thinking and being resourceful. What can I do? Because you got to plan ahead. Like you said, James, the weather's getting colder and suddenly that outdoor dining is going to go away for an awful lot of restaurants. 
And, um, you know, whether you go inside again or you pivot and you do more grab and go and, and take out and delivery like we're doing, all those things, it's like, yeah, these are the challenges. Yeah, since since March, I've I've interviewed Roger a number of times, and we've had a couple of shows and online webinars and stuff. So we've got into this COVID stuff a lot today. We're just kind of impromptu talking about what challenges he's seeing, but um, there are so many things you can do as an operator. You know, you, and and you guys are doing it, you're being creative, pivoting, making sure online ordering is working, and learning about third party this and getting email lists. Like, there's so many challenges that have gone through, but we're I know everyone's trying to get back more to normal. And different uh, states are letting you do that. I'm here in Florida. They opened up 100%. Like uh, the governor, governor said, you can do uh, back to normal. And so, um, you know, what does that look like, uh, you know, for the customers? And so I want to get back to Roger's point about that comfort level as a customer. I go in, um, I, 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 maybe I'm just there to get takeout. And I'm still, you know, I, I want to wear my mask 100% of the time. And when I go in, and so I go in and I have that environment. And then I look over and there's you know, 50 people, you know, walking around like it's a party. And, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, shoot. Uh, now, now what's my feeling on this restaurant if they're letting their customers not follow, follow the rules? And again, the rules are different in each state. But let's say, let's say the rules say they should be doing stuff. And now they're visually not. Customer goes back starts to yap on social media. Hey, I love that place, but now I just don't know. I just don't know if they're taking it seriously. You know, it's a mindset. I know you guys are in Maine. The caseloads are not that high. And yet yeah. you have to have that mindset of making sure your customers are comfortable. How do you think about it? It's such a balance. And that is such a good point. What I didn't mention earlier was uh, we're sort of a hybrid model now, because like I said, we are part market and we were part sit down dining and the rules were different because if 75% of your sales are uh, prepared foods, meaning you've got line cooks back there cooking burgers, cooking breakfast, whatever, and, and you're selling that versus the market staples, the milk, the cheese, the breads, and all that kind of stuff. You could literally have 50 people in your building, but if you're just a retail enterprise, it all goes on the square footage of the building and how many people you're allowed to have inside. So when we were just doing the market before we brought the seats inside, we could have we could only have five people at a time inside at the mm -hmm. counter ordering their food, and then they'd have to go wait outside. And then we brought in the tables, and it allowed us to have literally 50 people in the building with staff included, and now we have to go back to a limited model based on square footage. So it's like every day, like you said, the sands are shifting, and it is that balance. And how can you possibly make money when the rules keep changing? You know, and every state is different and every governor's restrictions are different and restaurants pivot one way and the next week they got to pivot another way. And when will this all stop and stabilize is on everyone's mind because it's all about yeah. survival. I call it street fighting. Every day you're in the trenches fighting it out, trying to figure out how do I make money in this business without, you know, yeah. jeopardizing the safety of my staff and my customers. And it's a real balance. Yeah, street yeah, street fighting one oh one for sure. Yeah. Or or actually it's high it's higher level, it's four oh one class yeah. now. Yeah, this yeah. is college level stuff you gotta you gotta figure out. Yeah. Let, let, let's uh, we're gonna be short today, but la the last point I wanna talk to you about is um well two well two things real quick. You know, one, let's go back, let's stay with the mask and enforcing the policy. Uh, what have you've been out, you've been, as a customer, you may have been out and seen stuff or 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 had meeting with your own staffs. Mm -hmm. How much of a ninny, for lack of a better word, how much of a the bad person do you expect your staff to be 
to the customers to enforce the rules when they, you know, they're, 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 they're trying to be nice and get tips and so mm-hmm. forth. You know, there's a, a mindset between them. Plus they yeah. want to stay safe. How do you talk about it? Or how have you seen other folks talk about that? Well, we've, we dine, we are still dining out. You're right. Maine has had relatively lower cases than the rest of the country. It has not been a big outbreak state. However, there was a wedding about a month and a half ago that infected hundreds of people now. And there's been, I think, many deaths related to this one wedding where they overexceeded capacity and didn't maintain the social. That all made the national news, of sure. course. And, and that impacted our state regulations and all this other sort of thing. But we've been dining out and there are those restaurants with sit-down dining that have gone right back to normal. These are multi, you know, multi-dining room properties with maybe 200 seats and they're maintaining the policies. I do see that the customers are wearing masks when they get up and go to the bathroom and all that sort of thing. And, you know, the staff educate the customers when they come in the door. There's signs outside when you enter saying you must wear a mask at all times unless you're seated at a table. You know, the staff are constantly sanitizing their hands. The hand sanitizer stations are everywhere. I mean, those are just the basics, of course, but it's working for for these restaurants. And then there's the takeout places that, uh, you know, you come in and you're, you're they're maintaining distancing where they're not handing you your pizza. It's put on a sanitized rack and literally, you know, one customer at a time approaches the rack and it's 12 feet away from the next customer in line. And as things are ready, I've seen all sorts of that stuff. I see restaurants that are adding, you know, these temporary portable structures with sort of, uh, uh, canvas and plexiglass window sides to them that is preventing, you know, that's providing some, uh, you know, measure against the weather that's just popping up all over the place. People are doing a variety of things because they know that, uh, you know, things are constantly changing and they just got to keep adapting. So, but all this leads to increased costs, you know, it's like you costed out your menu, you're charging what you believe the market will bear for the food. But what the customer doesn't understand is suddenly your costs went up significantly because of the cost of the packaging for the takeout containers and the cost of the rubber gloves that are going through the roof because there's a shortage of rubber gloves and the cost of the masks that you have to provide for people that show up without masks and, and the sanitizers and all this stuff. I looked at my operating expenses and they're literally increasing all the time because of supply and demand situations, yet you can't pass that on to the customer anymore if you want to maintain your business. So it's like the street fighting thing. Every day you're taking another shot to the face and saying, okay, what's tomorrow going to be like? So I'm not complaining, but this is the reality and this is what restaurants are facing. And, you know, you just got to do your best marketing game and get as many customers in the door as you can But it all goes down to knowing what your costs are, knowing what your daily break-even is, and trying to maximize profits on what menu items you're offering. And know that chances are you're selling items that just aren't profitable to sell versus items that are super profitable. And in a perfect world, you would sell the most profitable items to every single customer that comes in the door, not just to survive this thing, but to emerge stronger when all this thing is over. And, and that's a system that you need in place in your restaurant. Yeah, that's right. Let, well, I got one more question for you, but, I, but just to revisit Roger's point there about the systems and I've talked with him, you can go to the site and there's some more content from Roger and I about all the things he just talked about, fixing your menu planning, uh, doing your menu costing, making sure you're profitable, especially now. 
But, uh, but, but Roger does have systems for that on his site, uh, restaurantrockstars.com that you can buy today, click a button and be, you know, digging into the stuff. Uh, absolutely. You know, to get that stuff dialed in. So, so make sure you check that out. Uh, but la- last question is staff um, coming back in. I read a good piece the other day uh, from an operator where they're interviewing all the people coming back in, almost like a reapplication process. It's a great chance to weed out people that maybe weren't a great fit before when the labor market was super tight. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, good news, bad news, right? A lot of people had to lose their jobs, but now they're coming back in. You have a chance to pick the best ones or even, even folks to work for other places. Tips you would share about the re-interview process. Do you just take them back with a blank, you know, a blank, uh, just a boom, like ch- take them right back in? Or should you, in fact, you know, re-interview them and re-energize them for the future? What have you done or what would you recommend other restaurant operators do? Yeah, we've done that multiple times since March. Um, the very first opportunity was when our restaurant and many other restaurants were forced to close, you know, not permanently, of course, but temporarily when, when COVID first hit and you no longer could have sit-down dining in a restaurant. So you had to close and re-engineer. So that um, allowed a lot of Obviously, everyone's familiar with people collecting unemployment and the federal benefits. And there was a challenge even bringing people back because they were making more money on unemployment than in your restaurant. But literally, when you close for weeks and weeks and weeks, that gives you an opportunity to re-interview the people that are interested in coming back. And then all the restaurants that have closed since... There's some very talented people out there who have been looking for new jobs. And my philosophy has always been weed the garden. It's not about loyalty. It's not about longevity. It's about who's the best person for the job, who's going to build our business, who's going to be an ambassador for the business, who's going to sell, who's going to make friends with the customer, who's going to be the most productive, who's going to clean, who's going to be someone that is part of what I call the dream team staff. And just because someone's worked in your place for a year or two, if they're not the best at what they do, there's always an opportunity to find somebody new. So it started when we closed and we re-interviewed those people that wanted to come back, but we also found new candidates that um, were looking for new jobs because their places have closed. And, you know, there is turnover still in this business. We've had numerous, uh, you know, kitchen people that have come and gone during this crisis, partially because of the unemployment thing, partially because they were good at cooking, but they didn't want to clean. They didn't want to take safety procedures to heart. So we've had to replace those with new people. It's an ongoing process and it's a moving target during COVID for sure, because it's so easy when business as usual to, to take the time. I, I won't say it's easy, but it's time that you have to spend because staff training is, is the backbone of your business because they represent your business in front of the customer and they're either building your business and making friends with your customer or they're turning them away. So you constantly have to take the time to train your staff, develop them, recognize and reward them and build what I call the dream team staff. We have a system for that, of course, and we implement that just about every day. I I believe training should happen in a restaurant every single day, even if it's five or 10 minutes in a pre-shift before you open the doors for business. It's like a team huddle before the Super Bowl. You get people fired up. You talk about, you know, what's the customer experience going to be? What are we going to suggest? What are we going to tell the customer about that they may not know about? And just turn them on to a great experience and hopefully build their affinity and loyalty to our business. So training is super important. But yeah, 
keep that in mind. You know, weeding the garden is something we've always practiced. And just because you've been there for a couple of years doesn't mean that you're irreplaceable. And even if you yeah. think you really need somebody, you never know what's around the next corner. So always keep your, your eyes and ears open. And then we've always had great success having referrals from other A-team players saying, hey, who else isn't satisfied or happy with the current job they might have? And who do you think would fit our chemistry, our team here? And then do the recognition and rewards thing and pretty soon you'll have your own dream team staff. But it takes effort and it takes time and homework, but anything worthwhile really does. But nothing is more powerful for, for your business's success than building that team that represents your brand and your business. Great. Yeah. Yeah, Roger, absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've talked uh, about this in a, like in distinct sessions with Roger. But for, yeah, for an hour, we'll talk about people. So we could go on and on there. It's a passionate subject to have the right people in place. So uh, let's wrap up. It just that was kind of an impromptu session today. We ran about 20 minutes. Uh, ended up hitting a lot of things. I really do like that phrase, weed the garden, Raj. Uh, and building the dream team, you, you have to do that. And now yeah. uh, one of the many silver linings of this process is the opportunity to do that, to get better teammates involved in your business for moving forward. And if you do get the right ones, you can do that on, on turbo mode. So that's super important. We talked about the cold weather that's coming and some ideas there. Uh, we hit on you know the rules and the staffing and all those just the punches in the gut that, that operators are continue to getting. Uh, pivoting, 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 shifting, 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 all those things. So uh, you can check out Roger and his great resources at restaurantrockstars.com. He's got a podcast there you can subscribe to. He's got lots of great uh, products and services you can buy as well as reach out to him for coaching consultants. So uh, restaurantrockstars.com. Uh, for more great resources from us at runningrestaurants.com, you'll see thousand plus articles on marketing and operations and service, uh, ongoing coverage uh, like this for operators to help you just going through what you're going through. So Roger, thank you, sir. Uh, we'll see everybody you, soon. Jim. Great. Stay well, everyone. Guys, I hate to use cliches and I know you've heard this a thousand times before, but there really is no other appropriate phrase, then we're all in this together. I hope you found this episode not only learning, but entertaining as well. Sometimes you just got to laugh at all the craziness that's happened. If you're still there, if you're still surviving, you've been resourceful, you've been creative, you've pivoted numerous times, you've dug deep, you've worked with your staff, and that's really what it's all about. And as you know, it all comes down to those critical systems, the financial controls, the staff training and development, and the marketing to build loyalty to your customers, get them to leave online reviews, get them to really enjoy and appreciate not only your food and drink, but your staff as well, and the experience you're providing. That's what it's all about. Listen, I offer a free 30-minute consultation, no strings attached, of course, just because I love talking shop with operators. If you have a particular challenge that you need help with, a pain point, reach out to me, Roger, R-O-G-E-R, at restaurantrockstars.com, and let's chat. And thanks so much for tuning in. And please leave us a review on iTunes. I only ask you that because it will help other operators and uh, other managers find us. And it's so important that we spread the word and that we continue to help this industry move forward. So once again, a big thank you to GoTab for sponsoring this episode. And we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to, to the, the Restaurant, Restaurant Rockstars, Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.